Welcome to Justice Rising, a podcast of the Inner Community Peace and Justice Center, where we explore emerging justice work through story and relationship. I'm your host, Cecilia Flores. For this episode, we kick off November celebrating Native American Heritage Month, and I spent time in conversation with Kirby Holberg, a working film and theater actor, singer, dancer, and playwright who is white, native Ponca of Oklahoma, and Catholic. Kirby generously shares her story and experience of being native within the Catholic Church and gives us insight into how we can inform and educate ourselves on native issues. Also, Kirby misspoke the number of federally recognized tribes. There are currently 574 federally recognized tribes in the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Justice Rising. I'm super excited for today's episode um, in honor of Native American Heritage Month uh, because I have a guest today who I followed on social media. That sounds very stalkerish, um, <laughs> but that I followed on social media um, and admired from afar uh, for quite some time now. Um, and her name is Kirby. Holberg, and I just wanted um, to give you an opportunity, Kirby, to introduce yourself to all of our listeners. Sure. My name is Kirby Holberg. You can find me on Instagram at Under Thy Roof. Uh, I live outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota now. I am Ponca of Oklahoma is my tribe. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and spent a number of years out in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I have four young kids, and I'm a working actor. That's so awesome. I didn't realize you were an actor until I think I clicked on your link or something and was like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. She does so many amazing things. Quick question about your Instagram handle. Um, what, is, what is under thy roof? Like, what does that come from? So started out as a blog way back in, oh gosh, 2016, 2015 maybe. 2015 or 2016. And it was a pun off of that part in the mask where um, I am not worthy the inter- under my roof, um, but only say the word and I shall be healed this inter- word. And I thought it really summed up a lot of things we talk about and what houses you are in, both like your little house and this greater umbrella of the church and all these other spaces that we exist in. What is happening under your roof? And then the fact that that is all involves God somehow to where the thigh came from. That is so... I thought, I mean, like, I thought that's what it was from, but I was like, what's the story? That is amazing. <laughs> like, I'm glad I asked because I was like, wow, I wonder what that is. Um, and now you mentioned um, a little bit about, you know, where you come from and a tribe that you belong to. How would you personally describe your cultural identity? Yeah, I say that I'm mixed first and foremost. Uh, my mom is white, mostly German-ish. And my dad is Ponca of Oklahoma, um, but he was adopted as a baby off reservation and raised in a mostly Lebanese family. So culturally, we were raised very Lebanese, very Texas, because Texas is its own shipping. Um, <laughs> so <I've> so heard. <laughs> it's a very mixed experience <laughs> in general. And so a lot that I feel like I'm catching up on for being as pale that I am, there was a lot of white cultural norms that I did not grow up with and did not experience. That's super interesting because I think, um, you know, culture and identity obviously is a very kind of complex thing. Um, and I think specifically when we're 
talking to or listening to folks who have some sort of indigenous or native identity. Um, it always, you know, it's so interesting to kind of hear how folks um, kind of view that identity in light of all of the other identities that they carry. Um, can you speak a little bit? I mean, that's really interesting. You were mentioning that your dad was adopted and you were kind of raised in a whole different cultural panorama. Um, was there like a point in your journey where you reconnected with your native roots and what did that look like? Yeah, the different degrees, I would say. Um, when I started school, I was homeschooled up until high school. So when I started school, I entered the public school system and that brought me into the world where um, Indian education becomes part of your experience. This is a standard thing at the federal level. You have a certain number of kids who are either descended or enrolled in federally recognized tribes or like down to like a grandchild of someone. You qualify for this thing called Indian education. People do it in a lot of different ways. Where I was growing up, it was almost like a pullout program. There would be just like cultural programming for you. That was always a little bizarre for me because I'm Ponca. We're a very small tribe. Um, there was never anyone else who was also Ponca. So everything in the program was something a little bit alien to my experience or removed a couple degrees of translation needed. Now living in Minnesota, the programs exist as well. It's heavily, heavily Dakota Ojibwe, which makes total sense for where we are. Powwows have always been part of that experience. Most Indian ed programs have uh, Indian ed powwow as well, community powwow versus a competition. And the community powwow, um, also called traditional powwow, it's more about just getting together and experiencing whatever is around. Um, I had come with my dad up to Ponca City for the Ponca powwow um, a few times as a kid. Not too much. Ponca City is rather northern Oklahoma. So it's a pretty serious drive from Dallas, Texas. <laughs> but the tribe is originally from Nebraska, and I have not gotten to go there yet. Um, and I've always known what we are. There's definitely been different levels of other people accepting that. And it's very difficult to work out an identity where the only people around you who share it are your siblings. Um, that can be a very isolating experience and also just a lot of pressure on kids who have different struggles and norms of their own to deal with. Yeah. Now living in Minnesota, I feel like I've had a lot of a lot more space to do this. Also in the past couple of years, there's been a big, more public front of reconnecting people. Now this is not the same as people who are like, I took an ancestry DNA test because I'm 0.1% Native American. No, when, when I say reconnecting, I personally mean people who, you know, some names, you know, a tribe, maybe you're enrolled, maybe you're just a descendancy, but you know your people and you know these specific family members that you are speaking about. And when we say reconnecting, it means just getting more and deeper education and experience in your cultural raising that you have, for one reason or another, many of us have multiple reasons, you did not get that as a child. That's really fascinating. Um, I wasn't aware of kind of, you know, this, this form of, um, is it, they call it Indian education? Is that what it's called? Yes. Um, yeah, because it's a federal program, you'll hear a couple of these terms that are like, oh, I thought we didn't really use that term. Like, well, we don't, um, generally okay. speaking. <laughs> yeah. um, you'll also hear a couple other terms. I find it varies by 
area that you're in. And the Twin Cities native is a lot more common. But indigenous is also common, especially when you're talking about tribes that overlap with Canada. Okay. Um, okay. And we personally in the Ponca, we use tribe as part of our federal designation is a tribe. Um, other groups are not. Other groups are full nations. You'll hear that a lot. And there's mm -hmm. still sovereignty involved, regardless what word you're using. But there's a lot of intense meetings behind all of these. And I okay. feel a little bad sometimes that people are like, oh, my gosh, it's linguistic minefield. I'm like, it is. And it doesn't get better. Okay. Well, that's good to know that it's, <laughs> it is a minefield. <laughs> yeah, because I think there's, you know, we, in, in a recent interview that um, I did, we talked about how language is important. And I think, you know, um, especially with kind of a lot of what you're mentioning, right, in, in recent years, I think um, Native and Indigenous issues have kind of come more to the forefront of mainstream media and discussions in the church. It's often, you know, um, difficult for folks to know, you know, because you'll talk to some people and they'll use some terms, other people will use different terms. Some terms are generally understood to be like, don't use those terms. Um, and so it's always kind of interesting to kind of navigate that and to, to listen to, you know, Native folks' perspective on, on the use of those specific words and how, um, you know, which they could use, which they might stray away from and um, a minefield. And I'm I glad that prefer, you named that. <laughs> yes, I far prefer people to just ask. Um, there's different perspectives and settings for different things. Um, most communities I find have that as well. Like there's a language we use with people who are outside of your community and there's languages you use for different and levels. This is the time of year I typically get a good number of messages from people who are trying so hard to do the right thing, but they're like, okay, some people say Indian American and some people don't. And it's very confusing because you have actual people who immigrated from India, yeah. the country, who are also Indian American. It does not better. Yeah, and that makes it a little, <laughs> can be definitely uh, confusing for sure. And I wanted to ask, um, you know, you're mentioning kind of like how you have come to learn more about your culture and immerse yourself. And, um, you know, I've, I've followed a lot of your posts on social media, which I've found personally very um, informative, um, specifically kind of in this Catholic realm. Um, I have a friend who is um, native here in California, and I, I mentioned how I have some friends um, who are native and Catholic, and he had made the comment that that to him sounds like an oxymoron. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm sure this is a tension that you, <laughs> you've probably been asked about or have felt um, in, in your own life. Um, and I'm, I'm very curious um, to hear maybe a little bit about what that looks like for you um, in as far as what does that tension look like, um, if there's tension at all, and kind of what is that experience for you? Right. And it's so hard to speak to Native and Catholic in particular, because we're already speaking about just when we're talking federally recognized tribes. Um, what was the last number? I think it was 279 that were just federally recognized. That does not include state recognized or the de-recognized groups. So that's already a lot to handle. Now, I have some easier time doing some things because when we were missionized to my tribe, it was mostly Methodist. So already, like, there's a certain amount of association there that just I don't really have that. Mm -hmm. Now, other people do and have really good reasons for feeling the negative ways they do. Um, 
And I'm totally comfortable with making that space. And I think it's really important that we learn how to listen to these things without being defensive. Yeah. There's no fixing it. All we have is what is left. And a lot of what was left was really damaging. Um, I was born Catholic or the cradle Catholic. My dad was raised Catholic. Um, He was adopted through Catholic charities. So in a big way, Catholicism is very wrapped up in my family formation. But I don't have all the same struggles and all the same associations that people who have very strong feelings about being Native and in the church do necessarily. Yeah. And you'll also find that there are certain tensions that come up frequently with other Catholics that I find very interesting the more out you are about being Native. Because the other thing is most people are like, oh, I don't know any Native people in my parish. Like, well, The funny thing is, there probably is. You just don't know who they are. We are masters of camouflage, I suppose. Um, <laughs> even the ones that look like more stereotypically like things you would find in like a movie. They're often assumed to be Mexican um, or pretty much anything else but Native first. Like, unless you give them some obvious signs, like maybe you have a giant beaded medallion, they might wonder. (laughs) (laughs) But the the vast, vast majority, you're probably going to assume that they're just black or just white or like any of these whole spectrum of things. It is not typically guessed. The likelihood is that they're around you. And like me, I really often just opted out of admitting what I was for quite a while. One, it, it doesn't really come up because of the problem of Native and Indigenous invisibility, a huge issue at all levels, but also very much in the church. But once I started kind of saying like, hey, so this is where I'm coming at this from, the, re- the number of times the reaction was intensely angry at me, or like I had betrayed them. Like, I had had this mask on and I didn't know it was cool to say like racist stuff around me. And it was just intriguing how the response was almost never like, oh, wow, I see how that came off really badly. Let's rephrase that even. That has never once happened. That, that says a lot about where we need to go as a church in terms of making our spaces places you can be indigenous and open about it. Yeah, that's I can imagine that being difficult. As you know, I think the church can be kind of, uh, what was the term you used earlier? A minefield (laughs) of its own, Mm -hmm. you know, for all kinds of different (laughs) things, not just in this specific um, cultural grouping or (laughs) on this specific topic. But it's it's really interesting, I think, um, how you mentioned, you know, making the church, right, a place that can be welcoming. Um, and, And this experience that you have just shared about being met kind of with anger from folks, I think is, is something that many people might have had a similar experience, though maybe rooted in a different topic or a different cause. I'm, I've followed your page and um, you've shared a lot kind of, especially I want to say it was maybe recently when um, Pope Francis was in Canada mm-hmm. and there was a lot of discussion <laughs> that I'm sure you know um, about that visit um, on all different sides. Um, um, some were very happy with it. Others were very upset about it. Others thought he did, you know, that he did many great gestures. Others, others thought he didn't do enough. Um, and I think as a, as a person who is not native or indigenous, 
sometimes it's it's hard to kind of sift through, right? All of the different things that are being said and all the different voices um, and like, what is a trustworthy voice? What is not a trustworthy voice? Or, you know, how much nuance is involved, right? In all of these, these feelings. Um, I guess the, the question I'd want to ask you regarding that is, um, you know, what, what do you think is kind of a responsible way as someone who is interested in kind of learning more and exploring more um, about the issues that, you know, especially, you know, at, for a month like November, that's Native American uh, Heritage Month, um, and on these special days where we, we kind of commemorate, or at least we say we do, Native peoples, what, what do you think is a way that they can go about learning um, in the midst of so many different things um, that, you know, might be the louder voices in these discussions? Well, and this is going to be a particularly fraught Indigenous Peoples Month. I'm not sure how closely you've been following some of this news, but there are a number of challenges to ICWA, which is the Indian Child Welfare Act, um, that are going to be heard during November. Um, there's a lot going on here. We're still There's a lot of investigations still happening at boarding schools in the U.S. that are just now starting. And... There's a little bit of coalescence in terms of like having more of an outward facing opportunity for this. So the thing is, there have been these conversations and kind of closed communities where we've been talking about this among ourselves as Native people for quite a while um, and are only really just now catching the cultural moment to start articulating that outwards. These moments come around every so often. Um, I feel like we're in one of those right now. But following things like, um, especially the National Boarding School Healing Coalition is a huge one. Illuminative is doing some really fantastic work. I'm just, every single time I see their stuff, just very impressed by both the quality and the breadth of the representation. They're trying to happen. I feel like quite for quite a while, things were always very tailored toward a particular nation's experience, which honestly, for most people starting, I would tell you to begin with where you are and um, where you come from initially, especially people now that the rise of ancestry.com and finding genealogy as more of a mainstream hobby has become popular. People are like, oh, I, my family immigrated and started here, especially everyone who likes to talk about their colonial history. It's like, maybe let's start looking there and kind of start to see where does the overlap with Native stories start to happen with your own personal story. And I think that has one of the most powerful moments in terms of who to listen to among Native people, um, I find it very frequently tempting for Catholics in particular to find someone who already agrees with what you want to hear yeah. and listen primarily to them. And you can accept that those people exist while also realizing that like, if you're only listening to the one person who isn't challenging you, maybe that's a sign it's not the most representative position <laughs> and I'm way more willing to take like a quite a wide range of reactions and feelings and including big feelings and strong feelings um, from indigenous people on indigenous issues than I am to hear about 
particularly Catholic discomfort. Often having nothing really to do with the issues more often has to do with having to be aware of them. Just very upset that they have to hear about it again. Like, oh, I'm sorry. But we, we still have to live this even when you're done hearing about it. So building resilience is a really important part of this process. I would aware how little hard stories that hit home, a lot of especially white Catholics have had to deal with in their lifetime. Um, and getting rid of some of these persecution narratives we have going on in the Catholic Church. We've all seen them. They're very popular on the Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, it makes it really hard to talk about true persecution when you're so busy trying to be persecuted yourself in ways that if you just stop for two seconds, you could get some perspective on that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I know on a personal level, I've experienced some discomfort. Um, you know, just mentioning, <laughs> like even ha wanting to mention, um, you know, things like colonization, like that's a, that's a big word in the Catholic church that, you know, <laughs> quickly will become an oil and water situation. I've found um, that some people, you know, feel one way about it and other people, you know, feel a different way. And it's just so interesting, I think, um, to find, you know, what, how, right? <laughs> How can we have these conversations that are so necessary? And in many ways, um, you know, I think, I, I think they're required um, when we talk about, you know, healing and reconciliation and finding a path forward. You know, we can't really do that unless we talk about some of these things, if not all, if all these things, right? Um, in a way that folks feel that they can be liberated through that type of process. Um, and I know it feels very oppressive and limiting for a lot of people in the spaces that they, they enter. Um, for you as, you know, a person who who's native, but also Catholic, um, how do you feel that your faith kind of influences your desire to talk about these issues um, at a larger level? I, so funny happened as in of itself. This moment where I really started to see how far the actual experience of being Catholic and being the church had moved from something that had space for me already made. And I realized that I had this choice to make. If I'm going to stay here, I'm going to have to be really open about a lot more than I had been before. And staying had the most potential to create more informed church and more change than leaving did for me personally. Because how easy would it be to dismiss me or like, well, she's not even Catholic. Like, if I stay, I, and I have so much Catholic credit, like, I've been through quite the Catholic experience journey. And I want to take the faith that I know is there and use it for good. I find that I use this, um, what do you call it? Maybe a criteria or a litmus test. Mm -hmm. Like, is that Jesus for things? Yeah. And there was so much being that year. I was like, not Jesus. <laughs> like, I, I don't think Jesus would be down with this, you guys. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> and realizing that like primarily what I was as a Catholic is a follower of Jesus and being willing to like, and you're not ignoring the bad stuff that's happening. I think we're very tempted to say like, oh, the church is not the people. I'm like, um, Jesus kind of said that though. Like where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Like this is, this is part of the church and trying to like minimize that impact doesn't help us. But accepting that, like, but so are we. So are we who are saying, no, that's not Christ. We need to discuss this and move along together, even when no one else wants to, even when this is very complicated and probably going to be expensive in many ways. And I mean that both financially, but also expensive in terms of our comfort, in terms of our identity and our perceptions of what our communities have been. We're going to have to go through some hard stuff together and the beauty of being native is being able to look back at my family and see all the times the policies were made that really should have just ended our family and yet here we go still trucking along (laughs) existing like we can totally do this you guys (laughs) that's beautiful I think (laughs) like we're still here right like the odds were stacked against um so many different people and um you know it's exactly what you're saying your family's still around you're still here um I wonder you know there is a lot of tension and there is a lot of difficulty maybe do you want to share something that has given you great hope um or given you just great joy being native um in you know the U.S. and as part of the church I it's recently actually I was on a retreat with a sanctuary pottery um conservation center up in New York State and I don't know why my little brain assumed this would be like mostly native Catholic people no one told me it would be I, this was just my brain assuming stuff um and I I went with Shauna from she runs Fiat Sanctum on Instagram And we got to Indigenous Catholic Lady Carpool our way up to the mountains. It was great. Um, (laughs) But realizing, okay, I'm in this room and it's mostly white Catholics who are somehow connected, interested, involved in conservation work with this very focused connection to St. Padre and the Catholic connection to living conservation. And there was a room that kept making space for us no matter me and Shauna sometimes we have different perspectives on stuff but a lot of times it was just us being given the space to say the things I'm like okay this is big and this is my honest answer to this and people being willing to be like wow I had not heard any of that tell me more um or even saying stuff like if you have the space I'd like to ask you a question if not we can talk about this later just all weekend feeling seen and respected and being made safe to have this experience with mostly white Catholics. Like that was really a big redeeming moment for me. I'm like, okay, they can do this too. Like (laughs) sometimes I feel like we're having our little BIPOC hideouts where we all just like Sometimes. dish out the real deal of like what we think about stuff and how hard it is and like and some yeah. of the people on this retreat were like sisters like religious sisters and having those conversations with them in the room too and nobody got defensive whoa this can happen 
this, and I don't think this is a one-off, like they are wonderful, amazing people, but I also think they are not unique in this capacity. Mm -hmm. It had just been a while since I had been in that situation before. Yeah, that's so refreshing <laughs> to hear. <laughs> I know that for like, it's, just, it's exactly what you're saying, a little BIPOC, like, the, after the meeting meeting right like, you know the huddle we're like yeah. some weird's going down and you start making eye contact with each other like are we good are we getting out what are we yeah, doing yeah what are we doing are we, and I've had many moments like that um in my time in the church and you know like even outside of the church there's always you know someone says a sentence and you know everybody just kind of looks at each other there's those people you know in the room you're gonna look at and be like what's next what do we like or the group chat, right? That oh, the group, the group, the group chat. chat that's kind of like keeping you there. Um, that's so good, you know, and beautiful to hear that there's still um, moments that bring you great, you know, hope and that are refreshing and that where you feel held and where you feel safe. Because I think, you know, um, there's so much tension, right? And any work around justice, but I think especially in the last you know, few months, if not few years, um, for the native and the indigenous communities. Um, so thank you for sharing that. It's going to get harder. I feel like I keep having to like brace, especially American Catholics. Like, okay, you see what Canada's doing? Canada's yeah. many years down this road. Yeah. Like, we're barely starting, like buckle up. <laughs> this is yeah. going to be quite a long time. Yeah. Hopefully, honestly, like my word fear is that this all fizzles out and comes to nothing and we never find anything else out more like that would be the worst outcome for mm -hmm. my opinion yeah yeah and what do you think about that I mean you know when we we talk about and I think that was something that I was observing as well was looking kind of at Canada almost like as a foreshadowing of what is to come um in our own country and what what would you say you know for folks who are um, maybe wanting to, I don't know if it's the word is contribute or to educate themselves on specifically kind of what's coming down the pipeline and the things that are being, you know, studied or investigated. I know for, from what I've seen, a lot of it seems very opaque, at least, um, when it comes to the Catholic church, which is not an yes. exclusive experience, but you know, there we've, we know things are being investigated. There's no way to find out like what's going on or, um, what, what would you say to folks, what are ways they can kind of brace themselves kind of, as you, you had said, um, for, you know, the next couple of, you know, months, years and seasons where this is probably going to be, um, you know, at the forefront of, of a lot of, um, news and discussions. The biggest thing is just getting familiar with the terms. I cannot tell you how many times I've had some very basic native Catholic discussions and mixed groups. And there's at least one person, if not the majority of people, who have never, ever heard terms like doctrine of discovery, who have no idea what boarding schools are, who don't know why we don't love certain historical figures. Um, like, man, it's really difficult to feel like, okay, we're starting at the beginning with stuff you should have learned in second grade, and I'm sorry you've been failed. But as long as people can start to like know these terms and have some familiarity with the basics of this, then we can actually have a discussion. 
right now, a lot of the discussions are not discussions. I'm having to give vocabulary lessons. Mm -hmm. And that's really hindering the work that we do. Yeah, totally, totally. I wonder too, you know, it's um, when it comes to those kind of things, um, I know we, we often talk um, in, in social justice circles about, you know, do the work, right? <laughs> like do the work, you got to do some work. Like it's not the job or, you know, the task, the responsibility of, you know, folks who are marginalized in different ways to educate people, right? On, um, on those things. So I think that's definitely, you know, an, a way that we can encourage and we'll make sure to, you know, tag all of those um, folks that you had mentioned, those organizations that um, are out there doing really good work. Um, is there anything you would want to highlight as far as um, things that you're working on or folks that you know are working on that people should definitely check out? I feel like my biggest thing right now is telling people that like, well, I absolutely think you should follow the Young Coalition and read all the education website so you know all the things we're talking about. My other big thing that I really wish, especially more did, is find Native joy and some of the beautiful stuff that is happening. Now, we're having this mainstream moment where we have other falls on, um, we have reservation dogs on, there's the uh, fast horse who is a local playwright is having a Broadway opening. This is the first native wow. playwright ever on Broadway. Like there is stuff happening and like really amazing things. And I wish people knew that this is not such a museum category. Everyone mm -hmm. wants to talk about like the 1890s. Yeah. So I'm like, and we should, because a lot of people don't know stuff, but also this is a living breeding culture that is still changing and thriving and I work with native artists a lot um, we have a co whole cohort that's been with the Guthrie theater for a bit and it's been so cool to have these different approaches to art that is not necessarily about indigenous people but it becomes so because you're letting yourself be out and open and I wish people had more experiences of acknowledging like oh this is indigenous and this is something that I can experience and appreciate and love too without That's making beautiful. it that weird white person thing of like I feel at one with the Indian man like <laughs> we've all know that guy gosh that's <laughs> that's funny but it's also beautiful I love that you named that because you're right there's so many different ways and so many folks out there doing amazing beautiful things um and I mean I find art very healing um in many ways. Um, so I love that encouragement. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that you have kids and, you know, I, I'm, I'm also a mom and I, I just feel for kind of like the world that they're going to be living in. Um, when we look down the line, um, maybe just to close us out, what's your vision, you know, if, um, for this world where, you know, in the scenario that everything happens the way we would love it to, right. <laughs> What would you, what would be like the dream for you um, to see your kids grow up in? I've had the thought many times, especially as I learned more about liturgical year, Catholic stuff, how many like beautiful indigenous stuff was accessible if you were European in the Catholic world. I'm like, man, 
what would this have looked like if we had been afforded the same amount of connection that like Irish Catholics were, Mm. that German Catholics were? What would that be if we had had a normal process of acculturation instead Mm. of such intense colonization? Yeah. Um, How that could work. um, Having way more accessibility and visibility for all sorts of different people is huge for me. (laughs) And like my kids, three of them are blondes. So like the whole white passing problem is just getting worse with time (laughs) for us. Um, (laughs) um, And making them have the vocabulary to like be able to say what they are and building that resilience to like, hey, people are probably going to respond badly to you sometimes. But here's how we can do that. And here's how you can welcome other people and their wider cultural identity and how to appreciate beauty in of itself. I feel like beauty has been this big point of mine for a while, one, as an artist, but also realizing that like we, when we talk about things that are hard, that lets there be room for beauty. Mm. You have to make that space because you have not cleared out any junk that you've got going on. <laughs> There's like no space for hoarders. <laughs> yeah, because the Catholic movement kind of hoarded. We know hoarders. it too. Like, hello, see our archives. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Like, let it room, let it breathe. It's yeah. not going to be the worst thing that happens to you. The worst thing that happened to all these people involved has already happened. Mm. Yeah. Letting it breathe just finally gives it space to scream out. Yeah. And leaves room for beauty, right? To come in and to shine and to be. Like, think of all the things we could be building up. Like, you have to be a European Catholic in the U.S., which makes no sense at all as our norm. Like, what if we had space to have a truly acculturated church? Yeah. Well, I love that. Thank you so much. I think that's a great note to close us out in and kind of you know leaves us for further um reflection and visioning and imagination of what it could look like right for for not only our church but inevitably for for the world um and just you know i just want to honor you and thank you so much for taking the time um and doing the work i know it's not always easy to share um about topics like these and i just want to really thank you and honor you for uh, taking the time to do that with us today thank you for having me and i am looking forward to seeing what comes from everyone who eventually hears this thank you the inner community peace and justice center is sponsored by 24 catholic religious congregations grounded in the charisms of our sponsoring congregations and catholic social teaching We build community to act for systemic change in our church and world. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Any notes or references from the interview can be found on our website at ipjc.org slash justice rising. You can follow IPJC's work on Instagram at IPJC Seattle. If you like this episode, please consider donating to support our work at ipjc.org as well as hitting the subscribe button to follow along wherever you get your podcasts.